Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I believe that I am Brianna Wu. I am a Democratic candidate for Congress. Simone is not here this week, but that's okay, because the absolutely irreplaceable Christina Warren is with us. How are you doing, Christina? I am doing great. And I just yeah? want to say that this episode of Rocket is sponsored by Squarespace <laughs> and by Pingdom. So uh, listen out for that. But yes, so um, I'm Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Developer Advocate at Microsoft. Yes. Simone, as you said, is gone. And that makes it weird for us, right? Because she's like our ad person and our host. She's our moderator. She's the, she's the mayonnaise for Rocket. Like, she really we bring is. the hard tech news angle. And then you know, Simone is just the weird special sauce. She's like the Big Mac sauce. No, like, she's you like, don't know what's in I mean, it. honestly, yeah. she, she, I mean, she's what makes the entire sandwich work. Um, so I, I, it's, it's, um, she's at a wedding and I'm so happy. (laughs) I'm, I'm, we're very happy for people to take time off. This is a crazy week for news. Oh God. This is, I swear to God. Like, so just so everyone knows, this is a huge show today. This is a jumbo show because I was talking to Christina. I'm like, we cannot cut this story. Like we're looking at six stories and we have to touch on every one of them, at least for like a a second, right? Like yep. it's been a ridiculous week. So I, I say we jump right into it. And All then right. at the end, at the end, we are going to have an amazing secret segment for you, Christina Warren. It's okay. very exciting. Everyone I'm, should I'm, tune in. I'm, I'm very excited because I have no idea genuinely, <laughs> like this isn't me like BSing, like I genuinely have no idea what this is going to be. Yeah. So I'm very excited. I mean, that's like Rocket every week. We turn in, we just see what happens. This is so, true. This is true. So it makes the show so great. That is. Okay, so first story this week is, uh, you know, obviously Magic Leap came out, uh, or at least it's, uh, you know, journalists got their hands on it. And we had a lot of, uh, you know, the most prominent journalists in the AR space. uh, Look at this. The Verge did it. Joanna Stern did it over at WSJ. And uh, we kind of want to talk about that. So it's uh, debuting at about $2,200 price point. And I think it's fair to say reviews were fairly mixed. Was that your impression, Christina? Most definitely. And it's interesting for me because I wonder, I, I do have to ask the question, what would reviews be like if this hadn't been one of the most hyped and also one of the most, um, you know, in, in this sort of space anyway, like funded startups that we've seen in in years, you know, because it, it's got it, it's been super hyped, super secretive, and they've raised a ridiculous amount of money, which leads to massive expectations. So, yeah, yeah you're right. I think that the, the 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 reviews are all kind of mixed, and I, I but I I do wonder if that would be different if this was not existing in that world where you know this was was touted to be like the next huge you know, groundbreaking uh, leap in, 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 in um, AR. No, I think you're dead on. And just to kind of tell listeners what the product is that they're bringing out, it's a, it's a goggle you put over your face. Um, every single review tended to note how comfortable it was. Uh, you can't wear it with glasses, but they're going to be selling lenses that you can pop into the socket so it will work as glasses. Uh, and there's like a little, I guess I'd call it like a belt pack. It's a little yeah. bit smaller than a CD case, and you clip it to your belt. 
Um, everyone said you could wear the 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 headpiece for like a long time and it wouldn't uh, it didn't feel like weird. Uh, but I think the biggest criticism, as you said, Christina, was the the software suite that comes with that. So it it does have a web browser built in, and there are some websites that are specially coded. Like in one of the demos, there's a, a site and you can like bring out a chair you might order into 3D, place it in your house, look at it. Um, but, you know, as the Verge review uh, noted, the big game that they ship along with this, uh, it has a team of 66 people. They've been working on it for five years, and it's really not any different than uh, the Microsoft HoloLens product. So does right. that kind of, yeah, do you have any thoughts about that, Christina? Yeah, I do. And I mean, and this is also where I disclose, you know, again, as, as I had before, that I obviously, I work at Microsoft. I don't work on HoloLens. I don't have any inside information, but just, just putting that out there. But yeah, I mean, this is, there was this really interesting kind of tidbit that was in um, the, the Verge that, that said, um, the simple fact that Magic Leap is building a mixed reality headset doesn't seem as singular now as it did in 2014 when Google led the company's first big funding round. Companies like Microsoft, Meta, and Avincent are making similar devices, and Apple, Google, and Facebook are heavily promoting phone-based mixed reality with not-so-veiled plans to release uh, glasses in the future. And so... You know, I think that's a good point because obviously, you know, they were when they were starting this. I, I don't Hololens. I, I don't believe had actually been formally announced yet, and by the time this actually comes out, you know, Hololens um, is shipping. You know, people are using it. It is not a consumer grade thing. That's really not a, it, its purpose right now. Maybe eventually it'll be there. The the, the Windows mixed reality headsets are kind of that. Um, are, are sort of what that's designed for. But lots and lots of, of Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 and even smaller companies are using HoloLens now. So yeah. even though this looks like this has a lot of awesome opportunities, it does kind of put it in an awkward position where it doesn't seem finished. It's unclear how easy it's going to be to to develop for and what the use cases are going to be beyond kind of the consumer focus. I, I think actually one of the smarter things with HoloLens has been that it's been going after enterprise and it's been going after the sort yeah. of, um, you know, uh, 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 doctors and people who work in construction sites and people who do logistics and the boring sort of stuff that will sell enough of these to, you know, continue to make investment worthwhile, but maybe not as interesting for people who do tech news podcasts or who write blog posts. But <laughs> no, you're dead on. You know what like I mean? If you're, an, if you're an Amazon uh, warehouse, right, and you're right. walking around trying to get stuff to pack, uh, box up, that would be perfect for this. And I think that's really my big critique here is it, it really feels like they looked at the botched launch of Oculus and made every single mistake <laughs> when they're yeah. bringing it out. Like the price is far too high. I mean, it's what? It's like almost three times as much as the Oculus was when that debuted. Um, and the really big thing, the thing that really stuns me, and I want to know how you feel about this too, but it it shocks me that they didn't bring out a killer app, like something yeah. that you're going, I want to experience I want, I, Yeah. And I don't care if it's a social app. I don't care if it's a great web browser. I don't care if it's a game. I, I don't care if it's like a you know utility for saying in your office something to like ta time management, right? Just give me something that is an experience I can't get anywhere else because God knows I don't need more things to distract me. I've got a whole house full of that, right? And right. I think that's really where 
I really feel like they're stumbling here. I mean, do you agree? I agree with you. And I would also go on to say, I actually think that that killer app thing is a problem that every single AR and VR headset has faced. There is not a killer app. That's, that's honestly the biggest problem is, is, you know, I think you could argue that for the smartphone, the killer app was the full web browser, obviously uh, one-off apps and things were, were all great, but it was having that full web browser was really the thing that made you go, this is why this is better than my Blackberry, or this is why this is better than my, uh, you know, uh, uh, Motorola Razor. And, um, you know, with, uh, with this, you don't see that. And, I, I would kind of argue, I think, even early with the Apple Watch, the Apple Watch didn't have that. Eventually, what happened is that the the, the, the steps, you know, the rings, that's kind of become the killer app of the Apple Watch, the health stuff. Uh, yeah. so, so, honestly, the third-party stuff has mattered less, and it's been about, you know, the, the more, you know, Fitbit-esque stuff uh, that honestly has done it. And that, that and notifications. But, yeah, I think that all of VR and AR are kind of struggling with that killer app. But I think especially this, which is... I mean, they're calling it a creator edition. So I don't think it's fair to be like they're aiming this at consumers because eventually I'm sure the plan is to get this, you know, cheaper. But for it to be at this price point, this is really going to be early adopter only and, and potentially people who are wanting to create experiences. That's a lot of money. Um, yeah. I, I also, I, I kind of, I, I couldn't help but be kind of roll my eyes a little bit that the um, that the company is is comparing itself, you know, comparing the first uh, you know, Magic Leap to the first Macintosh from 1984 and saying, oh, yeah. you know, it didn't have color, it didn't have, you know, enough memory, Ugh. didn't have all this stuff. You're right, it didn't. And as a result, you know, it was really the second gen once they added 512K, you know, of RAM that, that, it, that, it, that it started selling better. But that was a huge paradigm shift in computing. Even if it was underpowered for, you know, when it came out and even though it was expensive, you saw that this is the future of the world. And I'm not, I, I do think that that one of our next big points of computing, you and I agree on this, will be you know AR um, AR related things. I do think that's going to ha- be huge in the future, but I'm not convinced that this approach, at least in this iteration, is going to be um, that. And I don't think that it's exciting enough or enticing enough. Unfortunately, especially given all the hype for you to make that sort of comparison like the first, you know, mainstream computer with a with a GUI. Like it's just I feel like that's a, a really big stretch. It's it's really arrogant. And the first Mac shipped with Mac Paint. I mean, yep. I know that made me want it from the word go. It had MacWrite, which wasn't, you know, it wasn't substantially different than some of the other word processors out there, but it was do you know what I mean? That was yeah, a totally. function that people wanted in their home and they would run out to go get that. Absolutely. Um, I, I just, I think it's a really overblown thing. The other thing that really gets me, and I don't work for Microsoft, so I can, I can say this. This is my honest opinion. The first gen HoloLens was the most limiting thing about it is you'd be looking and you just had a very small square in right. front of you where stuff would show up. Yep. And it really, really um, damaged this. If you look at the Rolling Stone, like puff pieces, like it's talking about 3D interactive comic books and, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff, like they're like, oh, we started this company because it was like if you made, if you're a movie maker and you made a, x-wing for a star wars movie and then you realized your x-wing could fly so you became a a science fiction like space company and like that's the kind of aggrandizing vision that they're putting out and i really thought when they brought this out it would like fill more of the lens than hololens did 
and it just doesn't like it gets further down the edge. But you know, as Verge was noting, a second generation Hololens is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's going to be there. I assume you don't either. I don't. But, uh, but it's it's like, what are you bringing here? What right. are you doing? What are you doing? And I mean, and unfortunately, you're going up against. Um, a you know a a, a, hundred, a multi hundred billion dollar company who has years of of actual you know customer feedback. Not to say that there aren't going to be things that can be better and that can improve on what Hololens does at all. And not to say that this and I think its approach of of um, you know what it's doing, being comfortable and being kind of consumer focused, is really interesting. But it, it it doesn't live in a vacuum the same way it did when they were raising funding and when you know. I, I don't know. I'm still really, I, I kept kind of holding out hope. I was like, there's no way that they would raise all this money and there's not more to it than this. And so you have to, I kind of have to question them like, because I don't think this isn't a Theranos. This isn't a BS thing. This is an actual product. It exists. People are looking at it. It does really cool things. It just feels like it's been hyped to a degree that is not maybe worth what we're seeing um, yeah. now. And, and, and that's, that's a problem. So I don't know. Um, it's uh, we'll have to see what happens with it. I mean, again, we talked about this before, but it's bizarre that this is they have this AT and T partnership, and that it's not even clear what that partnership is, other than they're sh- they're offering demos in their stores. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, I, I do have to say though, I'm not opposed because I know that there was some critique about the fact that. Early on when photos of it leaked, you know, they were showing this huge backpack thing and, and, and the computer and people were, were talking about what a disaster it was. I think that their approach for getting the the computer on as a wearable, you know, not putting it in the headset, but having to do the thing now where it's kind of like you said, it's kind of like a, a disc man and kind of clips onto, you know, your belt. That's clever. Um I, uh, I, I don't, you know, it doesn't look great, maybe perfectly, but I think that is certainly a compromise if you're going to have more power coming out of it for oh, yeah. a lot of people like that. I don't have yeah. any issue with, to be honest. Like I thought that was actually a pretty clever solution. Um, and, and conceivably, you know, that would make it possibly easier to upgrade components and that sort of thing too. You know, if, if the, um, goggles themselves don't change, um, demonstrably to get more field of view or higher resolution or whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know. No, I couldn't agree more. I think that's really clever. Um, I just want to say, and you know, we'll go on after this, but I mean, I, I just want to be on record as saying, I think it's BS. If magic leap who has like a team of 55 people making a basic shooting game mm-hmm. is expecting people like indie developers to come out and save their bacon if they can't do this. It's just a pipe dream. I mean, for me, my game studio looked very, very carefully at developing things for Oculus and HoloLens too, frankly. And we came to the conclusion that there was just a not, not enough of a paying market to make it worth us, you know, investing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in, um, you know, magic leap has amazing resources of people that can just work there and fail for years on end and thinking that the rest of the industry that is because there is no venture capital funding for third party developers doing VR stuff currently that they're going to come save it. That's just a pipe dream. And I just don't like, I would have loved for this to have shipped like 
give me a virtual office. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Totally. Keep it really basic. I sit down at a basic desk without anything in front of me. I can surf the web. I can do spreadsheets. Like, give me some basic awesome functionality that makes me look towards the future. But don't offer me this app.net vision of third-party developers are going to come fix all the problems because right. we haven't bothered to make a decent product in the first place. Yeah, no, exactly. And 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 at this point too, I mean third party, I mean game third party game developers are stretched as it is and they've yeah. frankly already been burned by VR. Most of the companies yeah. that have invested in doing things for Oculus or for Vive, it hasn't paid off for them. So yep. now you're expecting them to pay and, and, and it, I believe that the developer kit is a couple hundred dollars more than this creator kit, I think, to get that. I think it's so you're looking at like $2,500 for the hardware. Yeah. And then you've yeah. got to, like you said, potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars to do the development work and, and to do the stuff with Unity and, and, and getting all that done. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, I, uh, it's hard. Yep. So anyway, there it is. You want to talk about a sponsor? Yes, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace, make your next move. Enter code ROCKET at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Uh, Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea, and you can use a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. So maybe you want to create an online store so that you can sell your your game or uh, your book or your newsletter or your podcast. Uh, maybe you want to create a portfolio to show off all the cool stuff you're doing. Maybe you want to do a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about. There are no upgrades needed. Um, side note, I was actually running late to our podcast because I was dealing with some weird SSL stuff with my personal website that hasn't been updated in forever, but that I'm, I'm trying to kind of move to a different host. And so not having to worry about any of that stuff with Squarespace... Big plus in my book. Um, you, uh, they have award-winning 24-7 customer support. So if you do run into problems, uh, you can always reach out to them for help. And uh, Squarespace lets you uh, quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. So if you want to have a domain name like, I don't know, what could we, what could we do? Um, Magic Leap. Uh, <laughs> no, let's not do anything to make fun of Magic Leap. Let's not violate any, uh, any, yes. anyone's trademarks. Yes. But, but if you wanted to say, you know, Rocket Rocks, Dot com or something like that. You could do that and create a fan site about Rocket. We would appreciate it. Um, and um, all of these award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. So this is all uh, really great stuff. And Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. But you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash rocket. And when you do decide to sign up, use the offer code rocket to get 10% off your purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for Rocket. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash rocket and the code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support and uh, supporting Rocket and Relay FM. And uh, I, uh, it's actually interesting. I was mentioning Squarespace the other day when I was giving a podcasting workshop as an option. <laughs> if you want to host your podcast with, with Squarespace and do all the other oh, things yeah. too, because you can do that. I mean, that's that's what's nice about it. You can have your portfolio, you can have your blog, you can have your store, you can actually have it all on one site. So Squarespace, thank you so much. Oh. I love it. That was nearly Simone quality. That was very good, Christina. It's better than I could do. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I. I. I'm not used to this. So, uh, <laughs> so we'll see. 
All right, so you had quite a bit of uh, adventure this week, as yeah. I understand it. So, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, tell us. I mean, this is, it's actually not a fun story, but no, I mean, it's tell, not at tell all. everybody what happened. Yeah. So it started, I guess, a week ago, Wednesday night, um, a few hours after I would have normally recorded the podcast. So earlier in the afternoon, the New York Times um, announced that they are hiring Sarah Jong to be um, one of their editorial staffers um, in, in their opinion section writing about technology. And Sarah Jong, she's been a reporter for uh, The Verge. She's worked at, at Motherboard. She's done great work um, at lots and lots of outlets over the years, um, both about uh, things of privacy, uh, security, um, internet culture. She's a tremendous reporter. And it's a, it's a really good hire by them. And um, that was exciting. And so I, I replied to the New York Times PR's tweet um, announcing her, um, Susan Fowler from uh, uh, from the Uber, uh, for, who wrote the, the famous Uber letter, has also been hired for that section. And so I, I replied on Twitter and I said, "Go, Sarah." Well, as the internet is is want to do, things yeah, are terrible, terrible mistakes. Terrible saying, mistake. Yeah, um, yeah, well, well, not just yeah. for me, but um, you know, as we saw with the Quinn Norton situation, which we talked about before, and that you know, my opinion was a little bit different, maybe than you and Simone's, but. You know no, where I, I was right there with you. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. But yeah. but you know, but when Quinn Norton, uh, I, I think actually I, I can't. I don't know this definitively, but it seems like Sarah's position is similar to maybe what the the original job that the Quinn Norton was was hired to do. Uh, granted, they have different um, uh, writing styles and, and approaches and things like that. But um, you know, um, it, when Quinn Norton was hired, her tweets were immediately um, uh, gone through, and within a few hours of her announcing her past associations with some unsavory groups, um, basically got her lost her her job, and, and and the New York Times rescinded their offer, basically based on on um, on things that she tweeted, and. In um, that case, it was actually, we talked about this uh, two weeks ago with the James Gunn situation. That was actually kind of honestly led by people we would consider to be on the left uh, with the, with the um, uh, Quinn Norton instance. With Sarah Jong, yep. again, in the wake of the James Gunn situation where it was the alt-right who went through his, his tweets after he did things that were, you know, that, that, that um, offended them, they then used old things he said um, to, to get him kicked off of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And Sarah, because she's, I, I'll say it, I think because she's a person of color, because she's a woman, yeah. because she's written the types of stories she's written, uh, people um, in the alt-right got very upset about her hiring. And so they combed through her tweets and found references where she'd made comments, you know, I guess, blasting white people and white culture and, and frankly, kind of like white privilege and screenshotted that and started to, you know, create the, 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 the meme and the idea that she's racist. Um, now, personally, I think that the idea that someone critiquing, uh, you know, uh, whiteness, um, I don't believe that's the same as critiquing other races because it, um, in, in almost all parts of the world, uh, if you are Caucasian, you have an immense amount of privilege and you are in a power position and racism is not simply about about uh you know uh judging someone and, and treating them differently because of the color of their skin but because of um a different uh, power position so you know that's my personal kind of take on that i don't think that you can be racist against white people it's not one of those things but people were making that claim anyway and so yeah i also want to say this yeah. was right around gamergate yes and all of the the trolling on there 
And Sarah did something I thought about doing a hundred thousand times, which is just responding to these yep. people and dishing it right back at them. Yeah, I gotta tell you, I actually don't think it's really psychologically healthy for you to have to get that stuff all day long and just do nothing and say nothing. I agree. It like steals a part of your soul. Do you know what I mean? No, it really does. You know, and so her tweets were in some cases taken out of context. In some cases, as you said, she's responding to trolls in a Gamergate-like thing. In some cases, they're they're jokes that that are whatever they are that right. you know maybe don't translate super well if, if taken in a vacuum. Regardless, she's now has these accusations of racism hurled at her. So because I had responded to the New York Times tweet congratulating her, and because I'm verified. I, I think my tweet was one of the first tweets that would then show up in the replies, even though I wasn't the first person to reply. And yep. so I started getting people tweeting at me saying, how can you support this racist? And all I said was, actually, she's not a racist. That was basically the end of it. Yeah. Um, that was my mistake. I should not have engaged in any sort of conversation whatsoever around that. I should have uh, let it go because what ended up happening was people then looked through my Twitter and found a tweet that I sent in November um, uh, 2016 on election night and um, have used that to target me, uh, call me a racist because uh, I, I tweeted F white people and um, have a uh, Beyond that, have uh, actively tried um, to um, target my job, just as they were targeting the New York Times for Sarah. Now, the New York Times, it should be noted, did step in and they did defend their hiring of Sarah. Sarah released a statement uh, somewhat apologizing for some of the things she said and, and saying that as a New York Times employee, she wouldn't tweet things like that. Now, The Verge, I thought, released a, a fantastic statement affirming their, ten out of ten. Ten ten out of ten, ten. affirming their yep. support for her and and saying that, that you cannot let the these disingenuous, um, uh, terrible people um, win because that's what this is. This is completely disingenuous. These are people who are pretending to be offended by her comments. Um, when they're targeting her honestly because they're they themselves uh, uh, you know um, are, are are racist but the the comments that I received because I congratulated her and then because someone found a, a tweet that I sent on election night um, you know I've been harassed before I'm a woman on the internet I write about technology and and I'm, I'm in that space I've been harassed I've had a lot of harassment, not not to the degree that you have, Brie, you know, uh, with all the Gamergate stuff. But I've, it's I've, not I've, a competition. I know yeah. it's not. I know <laughs> it, it, it definitely is not. But I'm just I, I'm trying to kind of say I, I've never I've never played the oh, poor me, you know, whatnot, because every woman gets stuff. But yeah. I have to be honest, I've never received anything like this. There were um, threads on Reddit. There were, uh, you know, campaigns of, of – uh, there, there were very large, uh, you know, uh, right-wing pundits screenshotting my tweet and saying things. And then there was a targeted effort to try to get me fired. Um, and uh, and it, but beyond going after my job, many – Almost all the things that were said to me, I mean, I had some of the most hateful, terrible things said to me, some deeply anti-Semitic things. I'm not even Jewish, but I mean, I was deeply bothered by that. Um, really, really terrible things sent to my email, you know, just like horrific harassment, not to the level of what Sarah was getting because hers became like a, a, an international media story. But by simply congratulating her and having a blue check mark and being a woman, I was kind of got, you know, reciprocal 
uh, not reciprocal, uh, uh, I guess, uh, what's, what's the term? Uh, collateral damage. Yeah. Um, and uh, I saw this all week and I was, I mean, I was, it's, it's hard because you want to stand up for your friend, you know, right. but I also know if I stand up for my friend, it's going to make it even worse. Right. Right. And no. It's, it's, yeah. 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 No, especially because you're a woman and you've also been a target. Um, and, and so, yeah, so it really started in an earnest on Thursday. It continued through the weekend. It calmed down again. It started up again a little bit on Monday. It seems to be basically, or no, calm down on Monday, picked up a little bit again Tuesday. It seems to basically be over now. Me talking about it might not help, but I did want to at least address it on the show because, you know, I've had um, empathy is uh, empathy for anybody who's ever gone through this sort of stuff. Um, but having been kind of at this level of, of, of harassment and whatnot, you know, I've been really hesitant about whether or not I ever want to delete my old tweets or, or do that. And I've kind of yeah. not wanted to do it because I kind of feel like, why should I have to delete my, my online history? And now I'm kind of of the opinion where I don't know what I'm going to do with my own things. Um, but I'm kind of of the opinion where, yeah, uh, I recommend pretty much any person who feels like they could ever be in a position of any sort of public anything don't bother if you have a really big Twitter history because people can't understand context and people will literally go out of their way to try to make things look as bad as possible or to act offended when you've said nothing that's really offensive, uh, maybe something they disagree with, but certainly not something worth, you know, sending someone death and rape threats on and, 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 and really terrible things, then, um, yeah, delete them. Um, it's, yeah. uh, it, it's uh, it, it wasn't great. I've got to be honest. I was speaking at an event in New York, um, a, a women's event, and and you and I have talked about this. One of the worst things with this, it's not just the responses because the filters will take care of most of that. The problem is, is that if I respond, or if not if I respond, if I if if I tweet about anyone else or reply to someone about something completely unrelated, then those people become targets too, and yeah. and and you don't want to bring other people into it. You don't want them to be tagged. And and you know have to deal with the terribleness. It, it's uh, yeah. it, which basically in, ends up silencing you. And so um, yeah. Yeah. I was not expecting this to be a thing, um, but uh, but it was. And um, Sarah obviously has gone through the most with this. And and uh, and I'm glad that the, that the New York Times did not give in to the mob. Um, I'm not thrilled that they kind of weasel weighed their way out of, you know, um, almost wanting to, to, you know, chasten her, her statements. Cause I don't think there was anything wrong with, with what she'd said in the context in which she said them. Um, and, and obviously it's, it's understood the different companies had different social media policies and, and, and if she hadn't violated, you know, the, the way that she, you know, tweeted at one place wouldn't be the way she would tweet at another, but I am glad yeah. they stood by her and I'm gl- really, really glad that the verge stood by her. Um, but well, I'm glad Microsoft stood by you. Yeah. I really am. No, and me too. I, I just wanted to add a couple of things here. Um, it's not just you. Like I can't, I can't talk about who this is, but um, very often women they're being targeted write me and ask me for advice or help or suggestions. And uh, there's a, a colleague I have in the game industry that was dealing with this this week too. And you know, I want to say the the Verge's piece talking about how newsrooms have to stand up to people. Yes. And, you know, Christina, you were nice enough to share, like, some of the things that happened to you in Back Channel. This person was dealing with it, too. And fortunately, because a lot of companies came together, like Verge, New York Times, Microsoft, in your your case, it kind of 
set a precedent that let this um, not affect this person's job where there was every reason to believe she was going to be fired. Um, but it still did a lot of, I mean, I imagine this week has been a huge psychological drain for you, especially Glenn Beck going after you. It certainly has been for her. Yeah. And these are just the stories we know about. This is a, a target that, uh, this is something that's continually happening. And we have a lot more show to get to and we need to do it. But the last I'll say is I think this is why Twitter's actions with, um, you know, Alec Jones this week were so stunning. Even as we're recording this tonight, Jack went on Hannity, uh, Sean Hannity's show, which I kind of share the, the, the consensus that, that maybe it was not the best move for him as he is choosing to be the only uh, social media platform that's kind of not saying, okay, we've had enough of these bad faith tactics for shock value and deliberately harming people. Um, you know, Twitter is choosing to do that. And the fact that this is happening to you, it's happening to other women, it's just really disturbing, Christina. I'm yeah. sorry you went through that. Thank you. No, and 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 the Alex Jones thing. You know, I'm kind of I'm kind of conflicted on that. Um, I I I'm I think that it's amazing that app. I think Apple deserves almost all the credit because although Spotify had removed certain episodes of his podcast beforehand, they were not willing to remove the entire show from its directory. Apple was the first to do that, and it, and it took app. Once Apple did that, then others followed, and that was finally what got YouTube after however many years of complaints to actually, you know, kick the channels off. Um, you know, I I uh, I can understand Jack's position. My big issue is that I think that Twitter needs to. It, it can it cannot do this middle of the it cannot straddle this line. It either has to go back to what its original policy was, which is free speech ring of the free speech party, which means that terrible things will happen and you'd have to deal with it. And that is that is something that, that shareholders have to be aware of and their stock and their users and everyone will have to be, you know, dealt with on that level. Or they have to actually grow a backbone and start removing, you know, people who who um, share hate speech and terrible things um, much better than they are because this this middle of the road kind of approach that Jack is taking it doesn't work. It's, in my opinion, you have to be one or the other. You cannot try to do this both both ways thing because it doesn't work. Um, and and I would personally because um, I'm you know uh, probably in the minority here, but because I am a, a pretty big First Amendment proponent, it, you know, even to a um, you know like absolutist level. I would be much more comfortable, even though it would be very upsetting, and I would certainly probably spend less time on Twitter. I would be much more comfortable if they would just own why they don't want to kick people off the platform for whatever reasons, whether it's ideological, whether it's because they don't want to lose the money or whatever it is, rather than trying to have it both ways. It's yeah. much it's much more upsetting to me that they claim to have these anti-harassment policies in place, that they claim to have that they claim to care about user safety, that they claim to care about the discourse. And yet, when given the opportunity, and frankly, the cover of every other company going for something, they 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 insist on 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 not for for for, for whatever reason. Um, it, to me, you just got to make a decision one way or another. Either either yep. acknowledge that you are a cesspool, or actually, <laughs> which you know what that's that's a valid choice. I'm not opposed to them as a company making that decision. Um, whether users want to stay is is a different thing, but. I think they have that right. But either acknowledge that you're a cesspool or actually clean up your your, your product. All right. 
Fair enough. I don't think I agree with you on that, but I think your, That's okay. your point of view is well said there. Uh, you want to get to another sponsor? Yes. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom. Pingdom is the company who offer uptime monitoring and web performance management. And uh, you're more familiar with Pingdom than you might think. Because Pingdom are helping keep your favorite sites online. So places like Evernote, BuzzFeed, Netflix, which, God, I mean, if Netflix goes down, that's a disaster. Imager, if you've used any of those sites recently and not run into any trouble, you may have Pingdom to thank for that. Uh, Websites are pretty sophisticated now, and there are lots of different moving parts. There are contact forms, there are e-commerce checkouts, there's logins, there's search functionality, there's load testing. Um, Also, at this point, you know, Google's just started to put out uh, um, a a sign that says uh, if you're not accessing something through um, SSL, which means that lots and lots of websites are installing SSL certificates for the first time. That can cause (laughs) issues. Um, And so, you know, Pingdom lets you check the availability of all those features. And it's not just about getting a message, uh, about getting you a message when the entire site goes down, but they care about the important interactions people have on your site too. Um, And and they'll let you know if they're not working. So for instance, your website's loading fine, but the contact form's not working, or there's a, you know, there's an error someplace else. and, And maybe Maybe that's why somebody's not able to, to buy your cool product you're trying to sell or, or, or what have you. Um, they're monitoring all that and they can let you know granularly. And it is so easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is the URL you want to monitor and they'll take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Love that. And then when you sign up, use the code ROCKET at checkout and you will get a massive 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. Oh my goodness. That is awesome. All right. So uh, the next subject today. So I think some of these we're going to need to move through a little bit quickly. Yes, but definitely. we got to cover, we have to cover the ongoing meltdown. Oh my God. <laughs> with MoviePass. is my and favorite I, story ever. I love this. I love that. It's like every... Every week. Know, Every week, it's something terrible. Um, and my friend Christopher Sims over at WSJ, he's like, I don't understand why people are so it, like in, in love with the story. It's like because it's watching someone make really bad decisions yes. and them getting their comeuppance that they so deeply oh my deserve. God. So. Yes, no, I mean, and, and I mean, I've been on the record that I'm like, deeply convinced that something super shady is happening with Helios and Matheson. Um, this is just my opinion. I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a, you know, a financial advisor. Uh, do not sue me for libel. Um, but, but it feels like something weird is going on. And every <laughs> week that feeling gets stronger. Um, every brief week. update. Cause I, I don't know oh. if I, cause I wasn't on the show last week, but so, and, and I know that there was some movie pass news last week I bought. So a little um, less than, than two weeks ago, I bought a movie pass t-shirt because, you know, of course I did. They have merch and, yeah, it's and I great. bought it. Yeah. Uh, it came in. I, I got it on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually it. I'm actually gonna wear it on my uh, on my this week on Channel Nine show <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> it's gonna join TanaCon as because I think at this point my whole like uh, on air like motif, it's all about nerd shirts and shirts of like really messed up companies or or, or conferences. Now all I need is like a Firefest t-shirt and and i'll have the whole thing 
But honestly, yeah. yeah, no. So, so tell us what's what's the latest. Uh, so what's the latest? If you were out, if you were at Firefest, please send Christina your T-shirt. Oh, for real, by the way. for real. Or, okay, you, or if okay. you find fake Firefest merch, I'm even up for that. To be honest, I don't yeah, even care. Yeah, like honestly, like I bought KFC merch. I will buy fake Firefest merch. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So this week, the newest. <laughs> The newest degrade of your plan happened. Like last week, they're like, okay, look, we're adults here. We're going to make the hard decision. You can no longer see movies on opening night. Like no more Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, or whatever the last one was called. So this week, they go with their newest great plan to save MoviePass, which is limiting you to three movies a month. Yep, yep, yep. And <laughs> it's just like, Christina, what? I, I'm dumb. I want to buy this because it's such a bad deal and the company is imploding. Like, I want to be on the ship when it's blowing up. But, like, why would anyone agree to the service at this point? Uh, well, no, I mean, that's the thing. So, so last week, they had announced okay, we're going to raise the price to $15 a month. Right. And yep. you're not going to be able to see new releases unless yeah. un- unless the the, the, the the movie studios work with us. Like, they basically were trying to, like, blackmail the movie studios who were like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, and uh, and then this week, there was, like, huge backcry with a lot of people being like, oh, I'm going to cancel. Screw that, you know? And so, and, and, and the stock price, which they'd already done a reverse split. So they basically uh, gave made 250 to one reverse split. So 250 shares became one share. And that was how they were able to get it over a dollar so it could continue trading. Uh, that lasted like three days, by the way. It's back at like seven, eight cents a yep. share. Um, oh, and they've issued an additional... Um, I, They've addition, they've issued an initial like millions of shares. I think I think upwards of a billion shares that they're trying to issue. So in addition to the reverse split, they're also further diluting uh, the company by issuing more and more shares. The whole thing is just there's something really interesting going on from the from the stock perspective. <laughs> but but anyway, so so the blowback is so significant that they're like, look, our bad. Remember that press release we sent out last week about how we were going to make a new sustainable movie pass? Yeah, um, we lied. Uh, we're going to keep it at ten dollars a month. But three movies. Um, we also were no longer going to make you take photos of the movie tickets after you buy them because that was a thing that they'd started doing to prevent fraud. Um, so and um, and then they said, oh, and um, we're not going to do surge pricing anymore because that was also a thing. So last week, in addition to the fifteen dollars a month you're paying, they were still going to have surge pricing. Which it turned out, surge pricing wasn't about surge. It was like literally every single movie showing, like they would surge price. So they're like, no more surge pricing, no more having to take photos of your tickets. And we'll probably back off of some of the, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, putting things behind a, a, a two week uh, paywall before you can see the films. But you can only see three movies a month. And uh, I don't know about you, but you know, one movie a day for $10 a month, that's really attractive. You're willing to put up with yeah. a lot. You're yeah. willing to even yeah. not see like the big blockbuster opening weekend. It's annoying, but like you're willing to deal with blackout dates. You're willing to deal with having to take photos of the ticket. You're willing to deal with the fact that you can't do it online. You're willing to deal with the fact that sometimes the app just won't work. Um, you know, because it's ten dollars and you could conceivably see thirty movies in a month if there are that many movies uh, playing near you because you can't see them multiple times. But three movies a month, not as good of a deal. 
Especially yeah, no. since there's a there's a, another service called uh, Cinema, which is also ten dollars a month, and it, it or and, and um it, it for for three movies a month, but they let you book online in a lot of cases. Sometimes you do have to pay a, a movie a theater a convenience charge, but but it's not that bad, and you can see uh, premium screens. And you, um, you know, don't have to deal with any of the other passel of blackouts or any of that stuff. So there's that, which is the same price and, and frankly looks like a better offering. And then AMC um, um, A-List, Stubbs A-List, is $20 a month. And they let you do three a week. And that includes IMAX and the big, like, reclining chairs and all the other stuff. Plus, you get discounts on concessions. And you get to do the online pre-orders and all of that stuff. So, like... What was the best scam ever is now just like not that great. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. I've been having a really good time looking at the the Movie Pass Club um, subreddit because <laughs> you can just see the 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 dis, the, the, the the like people who because this is where the people who literally like you know what it's like. It's like when the iPad was coming out and you had there was a, a subgroup of Newton users, Apple Newton users yes. that were looking at it and talking about how, oh, this isn't better than my Apple Newton, this iPad thing. It's just a fad. It's going to go away. And actual psychologists are going out to their house to study <laughs> right, them because right, that's totally. such a fascinating study in cognitive dissonance. Like, that's what that subreddit is like to me right now. Yeah, so, no, although what's really interesting is, again, like, people are at the point where people have been um, kind of uh, uh, you know, there was like the defenders for a really long time, and yeah. and and there was like even like that one of the admins, one of the mods, or not the admins, one of the mods, you know, had been really defensive, and even he has come around where he's like, yeah, whatever, like these guys are screwed, like this, this is this is it. like everybody is now so angry at at, <laughs> um, at Movie Pass. Um, there was a great tweet last week where uh, somebody like said that they they basically compare the movie pass business model to the uh, famous episode of the office the Michael Scott paper company where he's meeting with like the the financial guy and he was like um you know your prices are too low um you know you you're 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 going out of business he was like our prices are our only thing keeping us in business he's like no they're actually driving you out of business and Michael just gives him like a, a blank look cuz he can't understand you know how he's like, but I can't get customers if I don't charge no money. And uh, they're like, yeah, but you're, 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 you're going out of business. It's, uh, it's really, it's, it's really interesting. Anyway, I'm glad about the shirt. Um, I I will say if you are somebody like me, and again, this only lasts as long as this company is in business, but if you had (laughs) one of the annual plans, which they sold at Costco, and then they had another online deal that included 12 months of a, of a streaming service that I was already paying for. And that was actually one of the reasons why I got it because I was like, well, I'm already paying for this streaming service. Um, I, I can cut down on that and get the movie pass. Um, if you have an annual plan, then you are not affected by the three movie a month limit. So yep. you can still okay. see. Uh, so I, so they, as long as it's around and as long as I can see a movie, uh, I'm going to use the heck out of it. Um, and now for, uh, but, but for everybody else, um, it's, uh, it starts on August 15th. So, uh, if, uh, if, if you were new after August 15th and you're not, you're not into only three movies a month, see ya, but, uh, I can't wait <laughs> for, for, for more of this. Brie are, I mean, the end is near, like this is literally like circling the drain, but I, I kind of still feel like you should, you should sign up if only so you can have a movie pass card in your I love wallet. It. 
I love it. I love it. Let me consider it. Let me consider. I'm not making it to as many movies these days. No, I know. You're a little busy, which which honestly makes you their perfect customer because you you spend $10 a month and never go. I just never use it. I love it. Okay. So next topic, we're going to breeze through these quickly. There's just so much stuff to get to. I could not in good conscience not talk about this with Rocket listeners this week. So... Uh, last night really shook up the world with uh, Elon over at Tesla had a fantastic uh, latest Twitter breakdown uh-huh. where he started talking about his plans to take Tesla public. I'm mean, private, private, rather. Yep. Um, you know, he's long uh, been kind of lamenting uh, short uh, sellers, uh, you know, kind of uh, working at his stock price. That's not really uncommon to startup founders, but yeah, you know, there it is with him. He's been very upset about that. Uh, and in it, this was what was really interesting about the tweet. He actually gave a target price that he was yes. talking about uh, basically buying shares back from people, but hoping investors would stay on the Elon train yeah. uh, along with them and seeing how that would go. Um, interestingly, even as we're recording this right now, WSJ mm-hmm. uh, came out and did confirm that the SEC is investigating the tweet. Yeah. And, and, there's a, there's a lot to go through on this. Um, there, there's some really interesting things about what is uh, legal to talk about with your share price and bringing it public. But I mean, just starting at the very top, Christina, how do you feel about this? Because like I was kind of of the opinion that any company that can stay private should stay private generally. But I mean, how how do you feel about this with Tesla? Well, yeah, but they're, they've been a public company. They've been public Correct. for a really Correct. long time. So if you want to go private, yeah. that's fine. Yep. The thing is, is yep. that when you go private, usually what happens is that you get involved with private equity. It used to be known as like leveraged buyouts. And, and um, then that kind of got um, a bad name because of uh, some of the various, uh, you know, um, uh, scandals and things that happened in the 80s. And so they kind of rebranded it as private equity. But now with Toys R Us and some other things, um, as, you know, private equity kind of has a, a, a tinge to it as well. But usually what will happen is that, you know, you get some people in private equity will give you enough money to buy back all of the shares at a certain price. Now, what's interesting about Elon's tweets about, and and then letter that he actually sent to employees about wanting to potentially take the company private, is he never mentioned where the funding was going to come from. And and you're looking, you know, on the order of, you know, like $80 billion um, if if you were to, you know, pay the, the, the share price that he had said. So Elon Musk doesn't have $80 billion. And there are very few... um, Places that do have that much money, you would. This would be where you would need a Bain Capital. You would need, you know, probably several uh, uh, PE firms together, or you would need like a lot of like he, he recently raised some money, you know, from, from from Saudi investors. You would need a lot of maybe maybe foreign money. It would be very very difficult to get that amount of money. Let's just put it that way. And and so right. he didn't even mention the financing. What he did say though is he was like, well, I hope you stay on the train and you'll still be able to trade your stock just privately. Not you know noting that there are rules about trading private stock and that Huge there's rules. and and, yes. and, and <laughs> that, that there are third party markets, but those of course take a cut and there are usually limitations like you can only sell like twice a year, so it's certainly not as flexible for people, um, employees or you know regular investors to be able to get their money out, um, you know. So he's like, oh, and I'll, I'll, I'll you know um, I, I want to buy it back at four hundred and twenty dollars a share. Which this is this is where the SEC gets involved because what this does is this is then kind of signaling to people, um, and, and and keep in mind he's very angry at the people who are shorting the stock, and so 
the higher which the, is the, a whole nother right which is a whole other thing but, have, but, but, yeah. right, but, but the whole but, but the gist that you need to understand is the higher the stock price goes whether he takes it private or not the more the short sellers are hurt so you could see if you're a cynic you could say someone wants to pump their stock up so they're saying i'm going to take it private at 420 dollars a share so people look at the share price and they're going oh well, he's going to buy out of this so if i buy in at 370 or if i buy in at three 350 I'm pure profit. Well, the right. SEC looks at that and they're going, wait a minute, this is potential market manipulation. And and um, as an officer of a public company, are you allowed to make these sorts of claims? And right. and is this okay? And 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 that that remains to be seen. So in I think that's a great place to to go with this. So we have had uh, a live press coverage about this. And the the answer with this is like, is Elon in violation of SEC rules? And they actually had, uh, sometimes, I, I have to admit, Christina, I'm really stunned sometimes at how much better Fox Business Journalism is, you know, than uh, oh, yeah. Fox News Channel can no, be. No, they're good. It's, I mean, they're, they're, well, they're, they're usually yeah. analysts. I mean, I, I yeah, somebody who's analyst. been on both networks, Fox Business oh. actually, you know, they definitely have a political point of view, but they are business uh, professionals. It, they are good. It's a political point of view. It's very pro, you know, capitalist, pro yes. market, all of that. But they're they're giving you good information. I've been really impressed by uh, their coverage on this. So they had the former uh, SEC chairman on there, kind of uh, walking us through what the law is. And it turns out, like it's not illegal for Elon to go on social media and to say something like. I'm considering taking Tesla uh, private again right. and doing a buyout. That's fine. I mean, well, it's it's unprecedented, but it's not explicitly against any rules. Exactly, it, it's not common, it, but it but it's but it's not. Yeah, exactly. Right, it, right. Where it does look like it could be, um, you know, in violation is because, like you said, Christine, the stock price has been pumped up. Is this like somehow a market manipulation uh, attempt here? Like, can they find documents that are mm-hmm. showing that Elon did this uh, for A, B, and C to deliberately get the price up? Basically, you're trying to determine motive, which is a very, very difficult case to prove. Right. Uh, as far as prosecutors or SEC officials, they have less subpoena power uh, with that than they might through a fraud case. So. My um, my kind of feeling here is I don't think anything will come of this. I think this is the same thing that made Elon talk about accusing a Thai rescuer of being a pedophile. Yeah. You know, I think it's just him not really thinking through what he's doing on Twitter. Um, and I think it's... I, I wish he had... I, I wish as an executive of a company on the stock market... I wish he had more self-control and were able to think through those consequences better because it just it it's disrespectful to investors, it's bad oh, yeah. for the market. It's I mean, bad, it's for, bad employees. for everybody. Well, it's yeah, really it's bad, bad for, employees. for employees. I mean, if you're yeah. an employee and and I, I'm not sure how it works at Tesla, but I imagine you know, at most tech companies, a significant portion of of sometimes, you know, of, of your compensation can be based in stock. And so, you know, he's playing with that stuff too. Um yeah. I'm I'm with you. I I think that there is a potential he violated rules. Um, I, I'm not a lawyer, and I and I, I'm not you know I, I don't work for the SEC, and I don't know um, you know those those rules. I would agree with you. I doubt that anything will come of it. Although I could see him being um, fined, 
and I could see him maybe being sanctioned depending on what happens. The only thing, the only reason I think that he might face some consequences depending, and it depends on what this does, is that if I was an investor who had a very large short position on Tesla stock and this move triggered something and then I, I ended up owing a bunch of calls and, and, and thus owing money because of it, I would, as you said, proving motive is very difficult, but because he did put a specific price in and because he's been very, very, very vehement about going after the, the, the shorts, as he says, um, those people, if they had enough money, I would, you know, pursue a lawsuit or investigation or whatever. And and the 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 short sellers or at least some of the people with the very large positions are very wealthy people. So I wouldn't put it past them to kind of, you know, get into a war with him over the pettiness. But I'm with you that I think long term, I you know, I think this is a slap on the wrist sort of thing at best. But yeah. it is, as you say, I think it's just yet another example of like be an adult, dude. Like, you know, this is this is not how like we all this is not you thinking you can like build a submarine in three days and go insert yourself into a new cycle and go save some no well this is real stuff well this is real stuff but also just shows it it shows a consistent lack of self-control and if i were investing in something like this or if i were whatnot like i would be i don't know um i would be concerned uh, about what this means and and because i don't think anybody argues that he's you know one of one of the great minds and kind of geniuses of our time but that doesn't make him um perfect and that doesn't mean that that he uh doesn't need to sometimes you know stand back and shut up and not do this sort of stuff i don't think it helps anybody i don't think it helps his company and i think it frankly distracts things which you know the cynic in me also feels like might be the point that this is di- this is acting as yet another distraction for whatever missed deadlines may or may not be happening with the Model Three and and any other issues that are happening is that we all just talk about oh look at what Elon's doing now rather than um, you know looking at any other business things because despite the the fluctuating kind of stock price you know the market is still valuing Tesla a company that doesn't have its stuff together when it comes to their um, you know um, assembly line stuff it's still valuing them more at many of the, the legacy automobile companies that are actually, you know, releasing cars on schedule and making profit. So, uh, you know, whatever, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. And yeah, just before we move on, I just want to add something here and say, you know, we've covered him critically on this show Yeah, on, on many occasions. I just, I want to say, I don't root for Elon to fail. No, no, and not at all. When I, when I see, I, I do think sometimes there's a, um, I think there's a tendency sometimes on the left to, you see someone and they kind of get coded as problematic and then everything they do is interpreted as evil. And I, I think he's a much more complicated person. Like, you look at the working conditions at Tesla and the accidents and you know, like the long-term quality of the cars. And that gives me pause. And I see him making statements that seem not well thought through that certainly seem to best case scenario, it's going to waste a lot of uh, SEC people's time, uh, a part of our federal government that's underfunded to begin with. But this is still a man that kickstarted the American automobile industry Mm -hmm. into high gear. They, he's the man that directly led Porsche to develop the uh, the Taken, which Absolutely. I'm really excited about. He deserves immense success for that. Even PayPal 
is awesome. So no, yeah, he, he's, he's done yeah. great things. Well, in SpaceX, that that's what that you know oh, that God, you know. Absolutely. I mean, and and yeah. even his solar stuff. No, I think he's he's a genius, and I'm definitely definitely in agreement. Um, uh, and, and I feel like sometimes the knee jerk thing is to criticize just because he's rich and and whatnot. Um, I don't root for him to fail, and I, I think it's very important you're pointing out all those good things. At the same time, I think part of the reason there is some schadenfreude, and I don't agree with it necessarily, although I'm, I'm fine kind of making fun of him when he was being an idiot on Twitter, is because there is a cult around him that we haven't seen around a founder since Steve Jobs. And yep. his fanboys, if I'm honest, they're the ones who bother me. Like, he, whatever, but, but, his, but his fans are just, it's like, just get a grip, guys. Like, yeah. He's not going to buy you anything. Like he's not going to give you a job. He's not your friend. But like they love him. And if you dare say anything, you know, even uh, even um, a little bit critical about one of his companies, like they will come after you. You know, yes, and like that, that. And that's where I'm like, okay, hold up. But yeah, no, I, I, I very well said. He's done a lot of really important things. He's a very smart guy, and and we've been critical. But we certainly, at least the two of us, and I, I think Simone as well. Like we're not rooting for him to fail. And and I think, like you said, Tesla is hugely important regardless of how much money it's making and what it's doing. It has literally forced the entire American car industry, frankly, the entire car industry to yeah. finally embrace, um, you know, um, uh, electric and also really self-driving. Like he's really been behind both of those and, and uh, should be applauded for that. But that doesn't mean that uh, he maybe shouldn't think more about what he tweets. The last thing I say, sure. I, I feel like there's a part of his brain. Uh, you know, the HBR Harvard uh, Business Review they put out a study a few weeks ago. We didn't cover it on Rocket, but it was talking about what happens to people in very, very senior um, positions at a company. What happens to their ability to feel empathy for people? And what's really ironic is those soft people skills that kind of make you get to the top of a field when you're surrounded by people all day long that kind of laud adoration onto you, it degrades the, your ability to sense other people's emotions. And it kind of leads you to do things that are kind of cruel to other people, like say calling a Thai rescuer a pedophile. Mm -hmm. It's completely unfounded. What I worry about is the Elon I see in public seems to be increasingly erratic and short-tempered in a way that doesn't seem to serve anything constructive. And especially when it's so hell-bent on papering over real issues, like the fact that his tent production uh, facilities that he spearheaded seem to be like not producing great cars and you know, leading to a lot of on-the-job injuries. That is, even if you don't care about the human cost, which would be terrible, but even if you didn't, that's hurting their bottom line. Mm -hmm. What I see is a CEO that seems increasingly, at least from my perspective, un unskillful at wrestling with hard things, if that makes sense to you. So yeah. um, it's not personal. I just kind of see this great company veering off course wildly. And it yeah. gives me a lot of pause. Yeah. And it, and it's got to be hard, right? Because he is a self-made billionaire. He's made amazing things. So it's not one of the situations where, and he owns the majority of the company. So it's not like the boards can just step in and be like, step aside, we'll put somebody else in charge. You know what I mean? Like, it's not one of those things. A, you know, we live in, in an era where um, it's all about the founder and, and founders are, are very rarely replaced. Um, 
even though he didn't technically found Tesla, he might as well have. Um, but, you know, he's been so successful that that I don't even know if the people around him have the ability to maybe help him improve as a, as a, as a manager and as a leader, if that makes any yeah. sense. That, yeah. that's, that's my biggest fear, because I think that he has the capabilities to do those things. And people clearly, not everybody likes working for him, but, but people clearly love what he's building. And, and he inspires amazing ideas. You, even the, you know, the submarine is, uh, you know, is take whatever, however poorly that was and, and calling, you know, a person a pedophile is beyond the pale. But I do think that his initial attempt to help did come from a good place. You know, it just, you know, you, you wonder about the priorities of, of a leader who's spending this time doing those things rather than, than maybe focusing on some other stuff. And I, I don't, I don't, A, I don't think there's anybody in his circle who feels like they can talk to him, but in fairness, I don't know how you would, because when you have someone of that amount of wealth and that amount of power and that amount of kind of like, you know, um, people fawning over them um, outside of the company, like, I don't know how you manage that or how you, how I, I think I, I, I would take, I guess, tremendous self-awareness on his part. Um, and hopefully he can gain some. There it is. There it is. All right. So let's close out with some fun today. What yes. Do you say? All right. All right. So last week we prepared a segment when you were off the show where I ask you some offbeat questions and we judge Simone's ability to get those right. Uh-huh. She had an astonishing score. A four out of six. Wow. Where she was able to guess four out of six. Oh, so my gosh. This week for dessert, I thought what's good for the goose is good for Christina Warren. Uh-huh. So I have some questions about Simone. These are multiple choice questions. And this is, gonna, this is going to evaluate how well you know the mind of Simone de Rochefort. Wow. Are you ready for the challenge? I, I, Are you scared? I, I am yeah. very scared. I am very scared, <laughs> but yes, I am. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Well, let's get right to it. Okay. So question mode. So you've got to figure out how Simone would answer yep. this question and you need to give me the answer. If Simone were going to send a single cast member from friends to Pluto, which one would it be? And bonus points if you can tell me why. So, and just to be clear, this isn't the actor that's playing the character. This is the character from Friends out of the six Friends. Okay, and, and so, so it's in a Pluto yeah. meaning like wants to just get rid of them. Just get rid of them. Just put them on a thing to Pluto. Um, so would it be would it be Joey? Would it be Ross? Would it be Chandler? Or would it be Phoebe? It'd be Ross, right? Because he's the worst. Well, walk me through your reasoning. Walk so, me through your reasoning. I mean, okay. I mean, I, I feel like looking at Simone, like I feel like Simone and Phoebe are similar. And I feel like yeah. that would that 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 like getting rid of Phoebe would be like sending herself away. And that that's not cool. And uh, <laughs> you know, if, if you get rid of Chandler, then like Monica loses like half of of you know her story of the last half of the series. And and you know, he's funny. Um, and and then, you know, watching Matthew Perry's fluctuating weight is an interesting um uh, <laughs> activity for the audience because you can like always tell what season it is based on like what point of rehab he's in. Like it's it's it, it's really interesting. And um, you know That's mean but fair. Um, That's it, mean uh, but fair. He's yes. a, he 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 was by the end of that show, he was making two and a half million an episode. It's okay. Matthew Perry yeah. can take my 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 light jabbing. <laughs> it is all right. Um and and Joey, as bad as the spinoff was, 
like Matt LeBlanc is lovable and he loves sandwiches and and the Knicks. <laughs> and and why would you want to get rid of Joey? So I'm going to say Ross because Ross is kind of an asshat and he whines all the time. And other than having the nap time with Joey and getting like, I mean, he has some really funny moments on the show, if I'm being honest. But like, I feel like Ross and Simone are really kind of opposites. And I feel like Simone just wouldn't have time for Ross and his BS. So um, I'm going to say Ross. Uh, that answer is correct. <laughs> All right. You got it. What was her that reason? Is the exact, is the exact reason he's <laughs> named. He's kind of an asset. And, uh, you know, like, it's really weird. Like, if you rewatch Friends through a feminist lens, it's really a story about a dude that's obsessed with a woman and yeah. kind of stalks her. Oh, totally. In really weird, inappropriate ways. So, there it is. All right. Question two. What is Simone de Rochefort's favorite trash food for a fast food chain? Would it be the Wendy's baked potato? Would it be the Wendy's frosty? Would it be the Burger King mac and cheese fries that we talked about on the show? Or would it be Five Guys French fries? Okay, so we've got the Wendy's um, uh, baked potato, mm-hmm. the Wendy's frosty, and the frosty, and the frosty, yep. Um, yep. The, the 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 mac and Cheetos, and yep. Five Guys. That's okay. correct. I'm gonna immediately disqualify the mac and Cheetos because although they were really fun to talk about, and I very much enjoyed um, doing a Facebook live stream about them, not that good. <laughs> like, no. it's one of those things like you do it once, but you don't really order those over and over again. They were trash food. Yeah, they're trash food, but they're not like a good trash food. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, they looked better in the commercial than they were in real life. I'm gonna disqualify a baked potato, even though part of me feels like she would be weird and pick a baked potato because I don't feel like that's a trash food. It, it's frankly the healthiest thing you can probably <laughs> order at any fast food restaurant. Period. All right. Okay. Okay. Um. So between Five Guys and a frosty. I'm going to say the five guy fries and only because I personally don't think their fries are very good and Simone's weird and we have different tastes in food and so I could see her being one of those people one of those fanatics who like loves the five guy fries and are like have a you know a in and out burger and five guys fries and like that's the perfect combo whereas I'm just like give me shake shack. Um <laughs> and uh, but also like the frosty is perfect and is amazing. But again, like, I don't know if it's like a trash food. I think that's just like a nice indulgence. So I'm going to say the Five Guys fries, but I feel like I'm wrong on this. You are correct. Like freaking precognition on this. This is very, this is a close race. I'm very impressed with this. Okay. So for question number three, I need to ask a pre-question. How familiar are you with Overwatch characters? Not very. Okay, so I guess this is going to be one of these things where you have to guess from the actual picture of okay. this. So uh, if I might suggest, type in Overwatch characters and pull up like an image of it so you can get the whole cast and crew. Uh, so the, the question is, with Overwatch characters, and we all know Simone plays way too much Overwatch, yep. which of the characters there would she marry, date, and kill? Okay, so... So let's start with Mary. Uh, do you have a picture of them? I'll, I'll I like do. describe each of the ones for yeah, you. So yeah, the quest- I mean, I, I've got, yeah, I've got, I've got it up. I'm, I've got like Blizzard's website up or whatever, but there are like a lot of characters. Okay, so with Mary, 
it would be you could marry Mercy, you could okay. marry Widowmaker, or you could marry Junkrat. And I just might remind you in a previous episode of Rocket, like Simone has talked a lot about her love of Junkrat. So he's kind of the skinny dude. Yeah, with the no, grenades. I see him. No, yeah. no, yeah, no, I see him. And Widowmaker is the assassin. Yeah, and she's and hot. Mercy's, yeah, she's gorgeous. And Mercy is uh, the angel that yep. flies around yeah, and yeah. kills people. Uh, I'm going to say, well, now I feel like you're like tricking me because you said how much she loves Junkrat. Um, I'm just trying to give context because I I don't know how much Overwatch you've played. Okay, so well then I'm I guess not she'll, trying I, to trick you. I guess okay. she'll marry Junkrat because I feel like I feel like she would she would screw Widowmaker. So <laughs> so I'm 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 gonna say marry Junkrat. Uh, she was actually gonna marry Mercy. Okay. So, but we're gonna say if you can get two out of the three of these right, I'm gonna count that as a go for this. Okay. Okay. So marry Mercy. Date. Date. Oh, well, then I guess date Junkrat. Okay. And and then kill Widowmaker? No, but see, I feel like she would date Widowmaker. I feel like she would date Widowmaker, honestly. Okay. Uh, so you're saying date Widowmaker. Uh-huh. That is correct. That is correct. And then uh, we have the last one, kill. Who are you saying for that? Well, then Junkrat, right? Those well, are my- it's not. This is out of the whole cast. Sorry. Oh, it's not sorry, sorry, sorry. just those three. Oh, sorry, so, sorry. Okay. So, so, okay. So, so she would date Junk, uh, d- date Widowmaker. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, that, see, I thought, that, okay, perfect. Cause I right. just looked at her and I was like, oh, yeah, no, Simone would totally right. go with that. Okay. So, Kill, you have uh, Junkrat. Uh huh. You have Diva. So, Diva, if you know her, she's in this like killer mech suit. And yep. then she'll, it's like the gamer check, and she sends the mech mm-hmm. suit at you, and it blows up. Uh, you have McCree, who he's the person behind the it's high noon, and then shoots yeah. you. Yeah, I see him. He kind of looks like a Josh Brolin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then you have Hanzo, who is kind of, you know, it's the person behind the I yeah. mean, Hanzo like meme which yep. makes you a bad person so which of those would you guess uh mccree okay what is your reasoning of that i don't know i'm just like at this point i'm just like i don't know enough about the characters so i'm just <laughs> like he looks like the least type of person that she would want to hang with i mean it might be diva because she kind of looks like she could be really annoying yeah frankly like i would okay. pr- I, I might want to kill diva and i don't know anything about her character she just oh, like she's awesome i love diva okay i'm well, a diva main but okay yeah, well okay well then yeah. that's easy i'm see i'm literally just going based on like the art on the uh play overwatch website so on, on blizzard's website um they they kind of i don't know they make her no you know actually I take that back i think she would be cool because she kind of reminds me of cammy which makes sense why she's your main yeah. um that actually makes total sense yeah uh, yeah i'm gonna say mccree because even though he looks kind of badass he also kind of like looks like a bro and like simone doesn't deal with bros you're freaking precognitive. This is scary. You don't know any, like, no. you're not an Overwatch player and you're no. getting it right. McCree is absolutely right. He is so annoying. You play it and he goes, it's high noon. And then everyone on your team is dead if they're all in the, the, the area of fire. So that is, I hat off to you, Christina. That is, uh, that is very impressive. So I mean, I was lucky. I was literally just going on looks. And it's funny that I got that she would date Widowmaker because like, I didn't know what the choices were on that even, that I was just like yep. looking at it. And I was like, oh no, that's Simone's type. I, Widowmaker's gorgeous. I mean, so I would date Widowmaker. Is. I'm not going to lie. Oh. So like, I'm into oh, yeah. it. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. We actually had a long discussion because I was like, uh, I would actually marry Widowmaker because that would be oh, an yeah. adventure. And then she's like, 
you want me to die? Like her name is literally Widowmaker. Like uh, uh, this different different taste there. Okay, so if if Simone were stuck on a desert island and there's no internet access, so she can't play Overwatch, and she was only bringing one object with her, what would it be? Would it be the Nintendo DS? Would it be a collection of books by Agatha Christie? Would it be a collection of short stories by uh, Ernest Hemingway? Or would it be the Nintendo Switch? I'm going to say the Nintendo Switch, uh, because I don't think anybody would want to be stuck with Agatha Christie novels for that long. And Simone, like, she's a good writer. um, And and I don't know, I feel like she... all I got the Christie stories, like after you've read them a couple of times, like it's just like, you know where it's going. You're stuck on a desert island. You have nothing else to do. So I feel like she'd get bored. Same thing with like Ernest Hemingway. He's great, but it's it can be kind of heavy. And if that, you've got nothing else to do, you know, I don't know. Yeah. The DS yeah. is great, but I feel like she's not able to play Overwatch, but she could play Fortnite and she could play Zelda and she'd be yeah. able to like play with her horses and she could do other stuff. So I'm going to say the Switch. Uh, the answer is Agatha Christie novels. Wow, I was very surprised by that. That's, I was like, "That's uh, that." Wow, Simone, I'm I have new. I don't know if it's respect or that's just that's that's. But that's weird I think in a it's Simone bad way. Decision making. I mean, actually. I agree with yeah. you honestly because yeah. I would I would take a switch, no question. Um, yep. You know, provided that that uh, that I have a lot of games because there's no internet, right? But but uh, yeah, okay, I guess. I would take Hunter S. Thompson probably if I had to do one of those things, but or or da- no, actually I would take David Foster Wallace. Okay. If you're gonna do it, because that way you can always burn it for 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 warmth. <laughs> Books by the pound. All right. So out of every single TV show that's ever been made, what is Simone's absolute favorite show? Is it Parks and Recreation? Is it the melancholy of Harushi Suzumiya? Is it Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries? Or is it Portlandia? I was, my initial thought was there was something anime. And so I was going to say the melancholy of, uh, 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 Harushi uh, Suzumiya. Uh, uh, yes, which I believe that she's even talked about on the podcast before. I know she loves Parks and Rec. I know that she um, also likes what was not Portlandia, what was the other choice? Miss um, Fisher's Ms. Murder Fisher's. Mysteries. See, yeah. that one I don't know anything about. But now hearing that I get the Christie thing, I'm like, God, she would like, she'd be the one who would like pick that. Um, I love you so much, Simone. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say melancholy of, 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 of Ms. Ushirima, um, that, that, that's going to be my pick. Um, although right. part of me kind of feels like the weird thing about Simone, because she's so different, might be that she might just be so basic and be like a Parks and Rec, like all the way person. <laughs> so but I'm, I'm still going to say melancholy. Okay, okay. That answer is unfortunately incorrect. It's unfortunately incorrect. Okay. Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries see, is her favorite show. That, wow. I don't even know what that is. I don't is. know what it I've is. I've never see, heard of and, it. See, yeah. th- I almost picked it just because I was like, well, the Agatha Christie thing certainly shows that there's some weird taste. Well, we knew this, but but even for Simone, okay, okay. Okay, okay. So, um, I don't know. Last question. So you've missed two, right? Yeah. All the rest of them are correct. Okay. Correct. So we're going for a tie here. If you get this correct, 
then you're going to win. So I don't know if you saw this, but uh, um, uh, Nintendo Direct had the new Smash game out today, Ultimate mm-hmm. Smash Brothers. And something that really uh, upset a lot of Nintendo fans is in one of the shots, uh, Luigi was hit. And then his soul seems to have been smacked out of his body, (laughs) meaning his ghost form just popped out of his body. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people felt that Luigi is now canonically dead. Yes. Yes, Yes, I saw saw this. Yes. Yeah. Nintendo had to come out and say, oh, it's Luigi's okay, everybody. I love that. I don't. I don't know if I believe it. I mean, I don't, I don't, well, because also wasn't there, what's, what's the game? It was, it was Mario was missing, but there is a game where you're like one of Luigi's ghosts, aren't you? Like there was, there was, there was the, like the, yeah, Luigi's mansion. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The really terrible, um, uh, GameCube game. It's Um, not good. It's not. And (laughs) you know what? And, and as, as like a Luigi stan, like growing up, I would always choose to play him because I always liked him better. Um, uh, like he's the best player in Super Mario Brothers. Um, uh, uh, two, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he's like the best. Yeah, but uh, it's it's either him or Toad always. But uh, that that game when he really couldn't sustain a franchise. Anyway, um, okay. So here's the question. Here's the question. I believe that Luigi's dead. Personally, I think it's zombie Luigi. The question is, which character does Simone think that Nintendo should kill next? Okay. Okay. So the the options here are it could be uh, Captain K. Rule, mm-hmm. the new Donkey Kong Country character yep. that came out. I know you're a big fan. I am. It would be Kirby. <laughs> it would be Rosalina. Okay. And it would be Mario. Which of the four of them should Nintendo canonically kill next? Well, isn't Kirby already dead? <laughs> I have no idea. I've never finished a Kirby game. I mean, they're fine. It's just he's like a marshmallow puff. Um, yeah. But I don't know. It's kind of annoying if you find him in Smash. You in, know what I he mean? Is. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. Uh, and and I, I'm still slightly annoyed that we, I thought, felt like we got too many Kirby games on the uh, SNES Classic and uh, not enough. Uh, like, I would have taken an extra Donkey Kong. But anyway, um, I think she's going to want to kill Mario. Is that your thought? That's my Walk thought. Everybody, why? Why would? She, why would Simone want Mario dead? It's to smash the patriarchy. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Rosalina. She's kind of like Target Princess Peach, though. So that's true. But I'm still going to say Mario. I mean, I think if Princess Peach had been an option, like I, I, I don't know. That's who I would kill. But like, <laughs> I, I can't stand Princess Peach. But she's kind of annoying. Yeah, she's the yeah. worst. If we're honest, like, like I don't know. I, worst Nintendo design, derivative, derivative, like, boring. Yeah. Like yeah. she, she's like in, in in Mario Kart 64. She's a terrible racer, which is frustrating because she's the only girl. And you're like, really, really? Can you not yep. handle better? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm going to say right. Mario. You're going to say Mario. That answer is correct. Yes. You and Simone got the exact same score. I am. I'm very impressed here. This is, this is very impressive to me. Uh, for the tiebreaker, I'm going to say, uh, just because we need a winner, we're not European. This isn't soccer. Huh? Uh, if, what do you think the, uh, do you think that Simone believes that Luigi is canonically alive or dead at this point? Oh, I think she definitely thinks he's dead. 
<laughs> she thinks he's in hiding. So I don't know. That's kind of a miss. That is kind of way. yeah. Either way, yeah. so she so she thinks that Mario is missing, except it's Luigi. Um, yeah, Luigi That's is weird. missing. That's weird. Yeah, that give is. us a straight answer, Simone. Seriously, Simone, just work with us. So she, oh, so, so she thinks she, she he's in like witness protection. I could see that or something. Yeah. Okay, that <laughs> would actually be a real. Death. Okay, let, let's let's pivot for a second. That would be an okay. amazing game because you know, um, because uh, uh, because uh, you know, like like New Donk City is 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 great and like the, the the new Mario Switch game is awesome. But like if we took that to its next logical conclusion, because it's kind of got the open world thing, let's like bring like a, a GTA Five kind of scenario into this, right? Where you are Mario. Mario, and you're trying to track down your brother who you think is dead, but you, who everybody thinks is dead, but you know is probably just on the lam. And then, like, there are other scenarios where you're Luigi and you've got to, like, keep changing identities so that you don't get caught. It'd be a really interesting Mario game. It'd be totally, totally different from every other Mario game. But there would be, like, a Mario Kart component because you'd be able to, like, <laughs> do, do speed chases, right, to, to get away from yeah. people. But there would yeah. also be, like... A fighting component because you've got to fight fight bad guys, so that brings in the smash aspect. Like honestly, I now want to like build some sort of weird like Grand Theft Auto Mario sort of weird thing. I'm into Grand Theft Auto Mario, just a whole murder dark gritty. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, like Mario Luigi after dark, making yes. crystal meth in his yes, tub. Yes, like, yes, that's yes. why they need all the pipes. Totally. You know? And and the way that that's we could it. do it, we would actually make yeah. Peach like cool like you could you could actually <laughs> redeem her because she's just like yeah it, the, the name is ironic like she yeah. she's just kind of like jaded and 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 maybe does some some illicit things uh you know she's part of the drug trade and and but but is a, a badass like that would be really cool yep i want to see that game so all right do you know all the stuff simone usually says to play us out at the end <laughs> do i want to i'm going to do yeah. my best okay so right, first of all Bree, uh where can people find you Online. You can find me at Space Cat Gal on Twitter, uh, and there it is. And uh, what are you up to this week? Uh, this week, I am shooting a huge commercial. It is awesome. Uh, so we had uh, Terry and Sandy, who's an ad firm out of New York, that came down this week. We shot this awesome commercial where I'm on my bike in full motorcycle leather and like, uh, like go it's, it's, I don't want to spoil it until it's out, but we're doing that. We're trying to go door to door knocking, which is hard because it's almost a hundred degrees outside here in Boston. And today I had a situation where my Porsche, uh, Boxster, my 20 year old Boxster, the, uh, emergency brake sensor just failed randomly and it started raining while the top was down. <laughs> so I had to run into a store and like rip open my relay switch and like bypass it so I could fix that. So oh, no. that's what I'm up to shooting commercials and rewiring my car to fix the top. And, uh, Finishing this race for Congress. So, awesome. Awesome. Is. Yes. What um, about you? So what about I, you? I am, uh, I'm doing, I'm going to be recording some, some video stuff uh, in my movie pass shirt and I'm um, doing some other just kind of work things. Uh, I found out recently that I've got, got kind of a last minute trip that's coming up like in a month and a half that I've now got to do some stuff for. So I'm doing some of those things, I'm trying to fix my website because I don't, 
uh, use Squarespace, my personal site, although I do have a Squarespace <laughs> site, so I've got to deal with some some uh, weird stuff. And uh, yeah, that's about. Oh, and I'm trying to like fight the heat. The heat is so is so oh, remarkably strong. I'm also. We didn't talk about it. We can talk about it next week if there's more stuff. But I'm I'm raging about the Oscars. So check out my Twitter stream on that. And for that, you can check out uh, uh, Film Underscore Girl on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, you can find the videos that I do at work at YouTube.com/slash Microsoft Developer. You can find Simone at Doom Quasar on Twitter and you can find her um, uh, videos at youtube.com slash polygon make sure uh, you uh, send her um, our love we, we miss her um, and uh, if you like this podcast and of course you do please give us a like and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts also subscribe to us if you're not already subscribed it's your first time listening welcome we we really appreciate it and and uh, we've been doing this for Almost 300 episodes, and we're, we're which is crazy, and uh, it, it's incredible. So leave us a, a rating on Apple Podcasts, and uh, thanks again to, uh, to Pingdom and Squarespace. And uh, this episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminate.